This is the Timepieces History Podcast, brought to you by Gudrun Lorette, the expert in using modern marketing methods for the traditional heritage sector. Each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past in around 10 minutes. And now, here's today's show. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. Today we're looking at Obey Roman Fort. Don't forget, show notes, transcripts and links can all be found on my website and you can leave a comment on any podcast platform you use or over on Twitter at Gudrun Lorette. So, if you've been reading my blog at all, you'll know that Albea Roman Fort in the northeast of England is one of my favourite places to visit. It was number 40 in my Timepieces History Project and I wrote about the site and the commanding officer's quarters for my Visit Northeast Project. Still, as we are working our way down the country, I thought I'd include it here too. Albea sits in a residential area in South Shields on the south side of the River Tyne, a coastal town a few miles from where I live. It was first rediscovered in the 1870s and the land was built on and used for a century after that. The modern buildings were removed in the 1970s. The whole place has been lovingly and lavishly restored, making visitors to Arbea feel like they stepped back 2,000 years in history. From the carefully recreated soldier and commander barracks to the family dwellings in the stunning tiled entrance court, which is like a cloister, which has a mosaic garden outside, it's an impressive sight and a great place to learn more about life for the Romans in the northeast. We learned from the information boards at the site that the fort was built to protect a seaport. That port has never been found, but given the fort's position on the law, a headland just above the mouth of the river, it's reasonable to assume that it was somewhere just below Arbea. The ruins date to around AD 160 and the fort was rebuilt twice, each time from stone. An earlier fort, its exact location unknown, stood at approximately the same place and dates back to 40 years before the current structures. It was occupied until the Romans left in the 5th century. As well as being used to support, the fort was also a northern base for the Roman army, with 600 troops being stationed there at one time or another. It was also used as headquarters for the Emperor Septimus Severus when he decided to invade Scotland. It was also home to Mesopotamian boatmen from the Tigris, so the name Arbea may mean Fort of the Arab Troops. A Spanish cavalry was also based there, the First Asturian. Apparently, it wasn't unusual for forts to be under the responsibility of squadrons or legions brought in from other parts of the empire. Much like at Vindolanda, the fort commander would have lived in a house of his own along with his family and attendant servants. The one on display today was reconstructed in 2000 and shows a house which was originally built in AD 175 after a fire had taken place at the fort. From fragments that survived, the reconstructors knew that the walls of the house were highly decorative and roof tiles would have been used. Access to the commander's home was controlled by a porter, who only let VIPs through. The house had a summer dining room and a separate heated one to use in winter. Its decor is based on examples from Europe, while the style of the building is modelled on those seen in Syria and North Africa. Privacy wasn't really a thing in Roman times, and all of the rooms would have been multi-usage. The centurion, who was in charge of the soldiers, had his own quarters, although he would have shared it with a slave and junior officers, or a wife and family if he wasn't single. The regular soldiers were bunked eight to a room, where they had to store all their equipment and cook their food. They would have used a bucket as a toilet at night and would have shared beds or slept on mattresses. There was a latrine available for use during the day, which was built over by the defensive wall. These were constantly flushed by water coming from the fort's drains, and wooden seats were positioned over the channels, which took the waste out of the fort wall and into a ditch. The latrines sound a lot like the famous long drops of Glastonbury Festival, 
without individual cubicles and using moss for hygiene purposes. Albert is thought to be the birthplace of King Oswin, who ruled the south part of Northumbria, which was known then as Deira. The northern part of the country, Benicia, was ruled by Oswy, who was a relative. Oswin had succeeded King Oswald, who installed St Aidan at Lindisfarne. Albert boasts the only example of stone-built granaries in Britain. If any others exist, they have yet to be discovered. The granaries were constructed in AD 160, at about the same time as the first fort. Stone supports were used to raise a wooden floor so that the grain and other foods would stay dry, presumably out of reach of animals. The building, constructed of limestone, also featured a portico to keep wagons dry when goods were unloaded. This was later demolished to make way for two kilns, which were put up in AD 275 to make roof tiles. When the new granary, or horium, was built, it had stone floor slabs which were supported by low walls so air could circulate below them. The outer walls, one metre thick and strengthened by buttresses, also had ventilation slots to allow more air through. A fireproof stone slate roof and a loading platform completed it. By AD 208, South Shields was a key supply base for the area, necessitating the construction of an additional 23 granaries. However, with the arrival of the boatmen, the buildings were partitioned and turned into barracks to accommodate the new squadron. Let me know if you've been to our bear and what you thought of it. Thank you so much for listening. That's all for today. Please tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.